Now, while the church is made up of imperfect people, the church is not a human idea. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 16 is with the 12 disciples, and he asks them a question. Who do people say that I am? And they begin to give him some responses. Well, some say that you are John the Baptist, come back to life. Others say that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. But Jesus wants to know not what others think. He wants to know what they think. And so he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, always ready to speak up and, and give an answer, he says, I know who you are. You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, bingo. Or something like that. <laughs> Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for you did not figure this out on your own. God has revealed this truth to you. And I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not be able to conquer it. You see, the church is built upon those who acknowledge Jesus to be the Christ, and nothing will be able to stop us. Now, the word used here by Jesus for church is the Greek word ekklesia. And usually when we ask someone what the church is, they would point to a building. That's my church right there at the corner of Beachmont and Forest. Or we might refer to an event. I went to church uh, this morning. But in the Greek word, it means a gathering of people. That's all it means. It, it means it's about people. In the most basic sense, it's a gathering of people for a purpose. So it could be for a religious purpose, but it could be for some other purpose as well. But the Bible actually has several ways that it uses that word church. For example, in Romans 16, verse 3, Paul writes, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, and greet the church that meets in their house. And so this husband-wife team was leading a church that met in their home. Now that was the norm in the early church. Christians didn't start building uh, buildings for worship until about the, the last half of the third century. And they usually met in people's homes. And so Paul here is referring to a community of believers in a specific area, um, like the church that meets at the corner of Beachmont and Forest. Now we see a slightly different use of the word in, in Acts 20, verse 28. Paul is talking to the elders in Ephesus, and he says this. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And so here he uses the word to, to speak of a community that is gathered by God uh, through Christ throughout the world. So it would be like uh, the United Methodist Church all around the globe. But then there's a fourth use of the word. And we find it in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And God placed all things under everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. 
And so here the Bible uses uh, the word to refer to the gathering of God's people that spans all generations and all places. The church triumphant in heaven, all those who have gone on before us, and the church militant, the church still here on earth. And so the church in this broadest sense is you and me, it is Paul and Peter, it is Abraham and Sarah, it is Joseph and Mary, it is your deceased our parents and grandparents. The church is all those whom God has called and chosen and justified, glorified, and sanctified. The church is us. And the Bible has several metaphors that it uses for the church. But notice the metaphor that Paul uses here in this scripture. Did you pick up what he calls us? He calls us the, the body. And this is one of Paul's favorite images for the church. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, he actually talks about the church as a human body with, with ears and, and eyes and, and a nose and, and, and hands and feet. And he goes on to talk about how important each body part is and that no part of the body is more important than another part of the body, all to make a single point, and that is this, that we need each other, that in the church we need each other. In the first chapter of Ephesians, Paul is making the point that, that Christ is enthroned in glory with God the Father in the heavenly realms where he runs the universe. And he says that nothing is exempt from Christ's rule, and that includes the church, that he is the head. The message translates verse 23 this way. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. He says, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So wherever we go, we are filling that space with God's presence. The church, you and me, are the hands and feet of Jesus. He speaks and acts, listen, through us. He's the boss, and we are his representatives on earth. You and I are to carry Christ's mission into the world. And we see this start in the book of Acts. In chapter 1, uh, we are told to, to wait in Jerusalem until they are clothed with power from on high. In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes in a supernatural way, and, and the church begins. It's the birthday of the church, and Peter stands up. He gives his very first sermon, and, and 3,000 come to faith in Christ. In verse 42, we are told what the church did. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And that everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then Luke ends this chapter by making this observation, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In chapter 3 and on, we have the ministry of Peter and John in Jerusalem and, and the opposition that the church faced from the religious uh, leaders. In chapter 7, the church appoints uh, deacons to care for the vulnerable members of the church. And so this has been a mission of the church since the very beginning. Did you know the very first hospitals, the very first orphanages, the very first homes for the aged were started by the church? Did you know the very first hospital in the United States was started in, in 1727 in New Orleans by a Catholic charity? 
And all these were run by deaconesses who dedicated themselves to the nursing services. Chapter 9 records the conversion of Paul on the Damascus Road. And from chapter 13 to the end of, uh, of the story of Paul's missionary journeys to all the Mediterranean cities. And in each city he preaches the gospel. He disciples and, and teaches the new converts on how to live the Christian life. And then he appoints leaders to take over when he moves on to the next city. What we discover is the church was on a mission. That the church was the hands and the feet of Jesus. That we are the body of Christ. That they were the church on the move. They were on a mission because the very last words that Jesus spoke before going back into heaven for Matthew 28, he said, go. Not sit. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is called the Great Commission, and it is the DNA of the people of God. And God wants to use you to accomplish it. And so our mission starts in your neighborhood. The mission starts in, in your community. God wants to use you to, to help a friend, your family, a coworker, and your neighbors, anybody who crosses your path. You have a mission. Now, I'm not telling you to, to be obnoxious, not to back people into a corner and hit them over the head with your Bible and say, are you saved, brother? <laughs> but we're to, we're to see those opportunities. We're to look for those opportunities, uh, the God moments that are frequently staring you in the face every single day. You say, ah, oh, you don't know my family. You don't know my neighbors. I'm not interested in God. Or George Gallup did a, a poll not very long ago. They discovered there are some 64 million Americans who are not associated with the church, and that half of those said that if just one person would invite them to church, they would go. 34 million people. Another poll said that teenagers were, were more interested in talking about God than any other subject, more than, than sex or, or music or, or, or video games or anything else. People want to talk about spiritual things. And God wants to use you to help them connect. One day I was getting my hair cut at a new place across the street. And the young woman who was cutting my hair asked me what I did for a living. Now usually I am reluctant to tell people who are holding sharp instruments near my throat <laughs> what I do for a living for fear that it will startle them and there might be an accident at my expense. But I decided to go ahead. I told her I was a pastor, and that just opened the door for the, for the rest of my haircut. She began sharing how at the age of 10, she had a bad experience, and she stopped coming to church, and, and she hadn't been back since. And we spent the whole time, in, and the whole shop could not hear, could not help but hear our conversation. And before I left, I gave her my card. I said, I'm right across the street. Anytime you want to have a conversation, come on over and let's talk. 
A couple weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan was at the lake with his family and friends just having a normal conversation. And, and Jonathan asked his friends where they were going to church. And they said, you know what? We're, we're really in and out of church right now. And, and Jonathan just said, well, are you even Christians? And that started a, a conversation that ended up with the whole family surrendering their lives to Christ. And then he baptized them right there in the lake. They had a life preserver on, so he kept trying to put them under, and they kept popping back up. <laughs> I had to take that life jacket off first where he could get them completely under for the Lord. Great celebration. God wants to use us each and every day. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, yeah, you're, you guys are pastors. You're trained to do that. That's what we pay you for is to have spiritual conversations with people. Well, I want to tell you about uh, one of our members, Tim Caldwell, and he told me a neat story of how he was having a, a car towed, and he was up front riding with the tow truck driver. And the driver was just having conversation. He asked him what he did for a living. He said, well, I, I buy and I sell businesses. And then the driver shared how frustrated he was with his job and how over the years he just didn't seem to make any headway, wasn't making any difference. And so Tim saw this as an opportunity, as a God moment, and he began to share what, the story of how Christ had changed his own life. And it didn't seem like the truck driver was, was really listening, but, but not, not long afterwards, the guy called Tim up. Tim had given him his card. He said, can we talk? And so they got together. And it wasn't long after that that the tow truck driver's wife called up Tim. And she said, what in the world did you say to my husband? He is a different person. He's even taking our son to church now. And he never did that before. Now, folks, Tim is not paid to do that. <laughs> And Tim has never been professionally trained. In fact, Tim has only been really a, a Christian for a short period of time. God wants to use us. In fact, um, two of our members have recently started a business, and, and they, they wanted to make sure that, that spiritual conversations could be heard and, and talked about in their business. And so I want you to watch this video of how they've done that. Let's watch their story. We love our church. And we started out as we, we bought the shop. It has the retail where we have worked by local artists. Um, and I think we realized pretty quickly that we wanted to use some of our own creativity in it. So we started doing a lot more uh, custom furniture painting. We got into the cabinet painting. Yes. And then you had already been doing a lot of the classes and parties. Yes. When we first started the shop together, knowing our background, our history together, where we um, worked together at Anderson Hills, we really tried to figure out how, what can we do to bring that is a part yes. of the of the store. Um, we heard Jonathan Coleman speak um, at church about fresh expressions, and we both just thought, "This, this is it." Yeah, I think this even is it. separately we, were really we heard about excited. it. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and then yeah. yeah, we just thought this is something that this would just be a perfect place. We've got the place to do it. Um, we love bringing it to the community outside of church, mm -hmm. so um, we just knew that, that was the right fit for us. What a beautiful name. But when they first come in, Jonathan talks to them for a little while. We pray a little bit. And every art project somehow relates to whatever 
um, sermon or message is, is going to be provided that evening. So we definitely relate it. Um, we have people that I think have never come to church before, and right. we people that have, we really try to get them to bring a friend. Right. Um, we want them to bring somebody that, for whatever reason, they don't feel comfortable going to a church. The very first um, Fresh Expressions, we had a couple of sisters come who brought their adult daughters, mm -hmm. and one of the daughters, she had just really struggled with drug addiction, and this was the first time in a long time that they were all going to be together. Mm -hmm. And so we actually painted a cardinal that yeah. day. and. Um, this, the, they were all just so happy. It was just such a great experience for them. Yes. Well, then a couple days later, one of the moms called us, and the daughter had passed away over the weekend, and they did, they want to know if we would, um, they could come in and we could pray with them. Mm -hmm. And that's something we always tell people that if you anytime the, the doors are always open, so if you need prayer to come in, and so they did, and it was just really. Uh, just amazing. It was very, it very was amazing. Powerful. And one of the moms, I mean, one of her questions was, who she really had never gone to church. She wanted to know, you know, where her daughter was, mm -hmm. and she was just so worried about that. And we were able to talk through that with her, get her in touch with Jonathan. Mm -hmm. um, he ended up presiding over the funeral. It was just, and they'd come back. They come yes. back almost every time. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I think it was just kind of a comfort to them. And I don't know, it was just a pretty amazing experience. Yeah. And I know when we. I actually went to the, the funeral, and um, at the at the place where you sign in, they had the carnival mm -hmm. there, and they just were so comforted that she had that wonderful experience. Yeah, you just, know, it was one of the last things she did, mm -hmm. and she loved it. We're gonna start up again in September um, once the summer's over, and I think we just really want people to know that um, this is a safe place um, to bring whoever they can possibly bring mm -hmm. um, it's just whether it's even though it's art and we do traditionally get a lot of women um, men are certainly welcome here and they they totally enjoy themselves too yeah. so <laughs> they, they really have do. a great time um, but it's just you know it's just a safe place um, to to answer any questions mm -hmm. to have prayer just to really learn about Jesus mm -hmm. and we just really want to be the light in our community Isn't that cool how God can use even a business to, to help people in their time of loss and, and grief? Any of us can do that. God doesn't call us to be a defense attorney. God doesn't call us to be a salesperson. God just calls us to be a witness. And folks, a, a witness is simply somebody who tells what they saw. In this Gospel of John, we, we have a story of a man, blind since birth, healed by Jesus, the religious experts are very skeptical. They ask him a series of questions. Who did this? Why did he do this? What do you think of him? And this poor man, he has no education. He is horribly outmatched by these scholars, but he's not intimidated. He says, I don't have all the answers to your questions, but this one thing I do know, that once I was blind, and now I see. And this man, Jesus, is the one who did it. God is calling you and I to be his witness, to tell other people what God has done in our lives. God has called us to be a witness in everything we do, how we live, how we talk, how we work. He doesn't ask us, my friends, to be witnesses. He tells us that we will be his witness. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it reminds us that this is our mission. He says, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. We are the people of God. He's called us to a mission. And so during the month of August, we are going to be intentional in giving you opportunities to love and to serve uh, your neighbors so that we can all be a light. You can find them posted on the Red Tower in the Connection Center. You can, there's so many opportunities. You can team up with ARM, the men of ARM, to engage in community projects. You can help build a, a Habitat for Humanity house. You can volunteer at a local food pantry. You can help serve a, a community dinner at the Mount Washington Elementary School. Or you can simply serve families that have been displaced from their homes right next door in our hospitality house. You can share Christ by the way that you serve others. Because the Bible is clear. You and I are the body of Christ. We are the church. And Jesus is the head. He is our boss. And our mission is to share his love with others. And it begins in our homes and it spreads to the very ends of the earth. You and I are called to reach outside the four walls of this building and to embrace everybody that God sends to us. My friends, it started in the book of Acts. But it does not end in chapter 28. You and I are a part of the story. You and I, we have a, a part to play. We need to become partners with Christ in this great commission. You and I are a part of something that is so much bigger. We are a part of this, this Holy Spirit-driven global enterprise. You do not go to church. You are the church whenever and wherever you are in the world. Let's be the church. Let's pray. God, help us to be the church this week. Help us to look for those opportunities. Bring someone into my life this week who needs to know about your love. And help me to see the people that I encounter and help me to see them through your eyes Grant me the opportunity to have meaningful spiritual conversations with my neighbors. Oh, God, help us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Amen.